listening to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. All right, welcome to Down by the Bank. This is Corey. Hey guys, what's up? It's Derek. What's up, y'all? It's JK3. All right, so we're joined by a guest. We're real appreciative for Jamal St. Cyr, uh, sports anchor for WJXT4 here in Jacksonville, and importantly for us, on the ground for Jaguars training camp 2020 because just the media is pretty much there. So, Jamal, uh, thanks for joining the podcast. Hey, appreciate y'all having me on. I'm always up to talk some football. Yeah, no, thank you so much. Um, Right now, your job super important uh, for us as fans uh, because it's not like years past where we can kind of come down on the weekend or in the evenings and kind of see what's going on. So, you know, your Twitter feed's been uh, hugely helpful to, you know, catch all the little clips that you post and and the coverage that you guys provide. But if you don't mind, before we sort of jump into that, um, you know, maybe just telling us a little bit about your background and, and maybe what you know brought you to the uh, WJXT4 station covering the Jags here in Jacksonville. So I've been in media for a little bit. I'd spent five years working in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where, you know, we covered a little bit of the Falcons, a little bit of the Titans, uh, a lot of Tennessee Vols up there. So a lot of college football. And then, uh, you know, I got the opportunity to come to Jacksonville and jump into an NFL market. I was all about it. You know, I grew up in New Orleans, so I I grew up uh, watching a lot of Saints games. Um, and, uh, you know, Jacksonville, as far as the Jaguars go, always had some uh, rather sad memories for me because I always just met, remember Carney missing that field goal after the <laughs> relay. That, that is my, that my one memory of the Jaguars from growing up is that play. So <laughs> well, how does that happen? How does that like I mean, just not to stop that, but you go from one of the craziest plays in NFL's history to, to missing a field goal. Yep. <laughs> the ball oh, got yeah. lateral like 30 times. Oh, I'm telling that was an awful game because we I remember we were behind and they came back and then there's the last play and then like it's like all right, we got John Carney. He's been in the NFL for how long? It's like, okay, he's gonna make this extra point. No. So <laughs> so you know, uh that was my my big memory of Jacksonville uh watching football from them as, as a kid. Um but you know, outside of that, I played a little bit of college ball at Clark Atlanta University. Um so I, I know I tend to think I know a little bit about football, just just to. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean that's good. I mean we actually uh, before we had you on, um, I don't know how we're going to upload these, but we had Mike Hollis, who was a, a player for the Jags back from like '95 to 2001, and I think that's a lot of times the biggest complaint uh, from the players in terms of the media is that you know there isn't always guys like yourself that have played before that can kind of understand the X's and O's and you know the behind the scenes type stuff that that makes it a little easier to take criticism maybe when the media reports on a bad play or whatnot. So I'd imagine that maybe gives you a little bit more credibility over some of the other guys. I mean, you know, I always like, I, cause I do understand a lot of it. You know, some people tend to be harsher on the players where I'm just like, okay, I understand what he was doing or where that mistake came from. Um, And, you know, I'm always particular. I I, I tend to try and be particular about how I word things sometimes when I'm talking about, uh, you know, different players and stuff like that, just because, you know, playing in high school, playing a little bit in college, you kind of know what happened. And uh, to some extent, when you can kind of understand what's going on, I'm not going to pretend I'm, you know, know everything in the ins, outs, everything. But um, I, if I don't know, I'll, I'll quickly tell you, I have no idea. Like, you know, I, I'm not an expert on what the offensive line's doing. I, if a guy's splits are good, 
all right, if somebody, if a coach says so, I'm going to just gonna nod my head and say, yeah, <laughs> that's not my deal. <laughs> you know, we got the, the, Jacksonville is full of keyboard warriors, man. And I swear they've all either like made it to the Pro Bowl or played at the Super Bowl. Uh, it's, it's It gets ridiculous sometimes, I swear. Yep. Yeah. There are quite a few, and I'll, and sometimes you you just got just kind of look at them like, all right, it's not even worth this argument right now. Yeah, <laughs> no, for yeah. sure. The quarterback, the quarterback threw an interception. It's all his fault. Well, do you think the receiver ran the wrong route? Well, no, because I knew the play. It was X shake Z post. Like, yeah, you didn't know the play, fool. Shut up, man. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, and and that's the thing is like even some of the mistakes when you see them like the court, like an interception, it's tough to even figure out who's necessarily at fault sometimes until you really sit there and look and you're like, all right, well, this person's completely out of position for anything that's going on. So, you know, it's a it's an understanding thing. And it, I, I mean, when you're watching it, the first thing is like, what is the quarterback doing or what's this DB doing? And you realize like, oh, it wasn't even man coverage. It's not the corner's fault. Safety wasn't there, <laughs> and, and but you it, like your initial reaction is always, "What was that bum doing?" Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the experience. Like whenever Derek and I have gone to games, because I'm not, I'm not a big X's and O's person. I, I just don't, you know, I'm more of the casual fan. So uh, usually, if he and I are together at a game, he'll break it down like that for me because I have no idea. But it is kind of crazy. I mean, Twitter can be kind of a cesspool when it comes to the type of people that Derek's describing. Uh, and it's worse that you can have interactions with the players now too. I mean, those guys, I mean, I'm sure their inboxes are just completely destroyed after any bad play or, or, you know, whatever. But, um, we appreciate the work that you're doing down there. I mean, like I said, you've been a great follow and, and we'll be sure to put your, uh, your Twitter handle in the podcast description for anybody that doesn't follow you at, you've had some good content. Um, we had uh, Mike DiRocco on uh, last week and uh, I kind of wanted to ask you the same question uh, that we asked him in terms of how your job has changed related to COVID-19, um, you know, how is, you know, camp been um, for a reporter like yourself from a COVID perspective? Like what, what about special protocols, uh, weird stuff, weird requirements, you know, what has that experience been like? So I've been one of the few guys that's been getting tested every day um, just in case, because if the Jaguars go outside, you don't necessarily have to be tested every day, but if they decide to use their indoor practice field, you have to be tested the day before if you want to go inside. So I've been one of a handful of folks that has been getting tested daily just in case they decide they want to go in the next day. So then when we go out to practice, we got to wear this little like tracker thing. So if you get too close to anybody, it starts beeping um, because you're within six feet of another person. So um, it's been real quiet at camp, obviously with no fans around. And then even us, they, they have like X's on the bleachers where one person can sit and another person can sit. You can only go in one way and out the other. So it's been a, it's been different for sure. Cause I mean, you know, you're used to having fans in the stands kind of watching it when and on after a good play. Um, typically, you know, the, for us, we're typically kind of all standing a little bit huddled, kind of talking about what one another sees, kind of going around about that. But we're all spread out. So there's just not a whole lot of that because, you know, you're six feet apart from the, the closest person to you. Um, outside of the t- testing, uh, the testing's the biggest change. My nose is not getting used to that on a, on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> like that that is the one thing that I'm like okay can we I gotta get I gotta I just gotta gut through it but you know it, it's it's worth it because we're getting to, to do some football stuff 
And, you know, I try and go in because I, I know if, if I was a fan and sitting there watching the team or wondering what's happening in training camp, I'm like, what's going on? So I try, that's why I make sure that I'm always trying to take as many videos as I can and just make sure I'm, I'm posting them up real quick. Like I've had some typos in those things, just trying to get them up before the next rep so I could get, the, get as many up as possible. Because I know if I wasn't at camp, I'd be sitting there looking on Twitter feeds trying to see, okay, well, what's this guy saying? Can I see a video of what's going on? Like you say, he made a great catch, but I want to see it, you know? Right. Um, so I just always try and think about it because at the end of the day, I'm a fan of football. So I always try and see if I, if I can cover the team, I'm covering, I'm going to cover it like a fan because that's, you know, that's who we're talking to right now. You know what I mean? It's funny that you mentioned like trying to get the vantage point because uh, I, I mean, during camp, I mean, I'm on my phone at like 10 a.m. and just constantly refreshing Twitter, constantly, constantly trying and, and increasing the scroll. And like you can kind of see like where everybody's going to be like one day. It's like, OK, all right, cool. We're going to see the, the the DBs and the receivers here because they're on this field. And then like you get another picture and like, all right, we're not going to see anything from the D line because they're all the way out here today. So, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a random bag of whenever you're scrolling and whenever you're updating, you're like, all right, what am I going to see today? And it, and like I said, man, you and a couple of the guys in town have been really doing really good. No one's reading the, the typos anyway. We just want to see the footage. So. <laughs> and, and, and that's the hard part for us is the, just the way they cycle through the fields. I mean, if they're using field three, legitimately if they're using the you know the north end zone of field three there's they won't let us anywhere near down there so for all of us it's like we can either be on the south side to where we're on one end zone all of them or we have like a bleachers that are on the side where fans typically are where they let us and i've been hanging out in the bleachers just because i can kind of it raises me up above the field so i can even get a better view of field two and just because of the way the guys line up between drills especially when they're doing like team drills you, you know, I mean, it's just like they do in high school. You know, the offense is all standing behind the offense. So if you're standing on the sideline, you can't see anything. Yeah, unless you're like 6'9". Right, you know, unless you're able to see right above them. So it's tough just from the way they kind of cycle through the field. When they're on field one, oh, we're golden. Like, we can see everything. And, you know, they but they only use field one so much so they don't wear out the field. So especially like, like you said, when you look at the video – Sometimes, like I'm, I'm, I've maxed out the zoom on my phone. I'm like, this is <laughs> super <laughs> pixelated. Exactly. Then <laughs> you might have to buy a drone and just say, "Hey, look, if you guys aren't going to let us on field three, then I just have to drone, drone it over there and just, just get some footage back." <laughs> but you, you know, talking, you know, talking about your know, video, um, but yeah, you know, and we got the scrimmage coming up on Saturday, but. Also hearing the sounds of what's going on with the team, like what do you, what do you, what do you feel? What's the body language and what are the sounds like coming coming from the team? Because you know, I know that we talked with it. Uh, we we know that they play the music sometimes, and you can't really hear what's going on unless you're up close. You know, it's been it's been focused. You know, the the one thing that I've I've said is they don't have a whole lot of guys that were, you know, yakking like they've had in years past at some of those positions. But let me tell you, they just signed Timmy Jernigan, and if he makes yeah. a play, you hear him. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could be on the complete other side of the field. He starts barking, yelling. You hear him. So you'll, you don't even have to be watching. If Jernigan does something good, you'll know that. Um, they cut the music off, yes, not yesterday. Was it? I guess that was yesterday when they were doing some uh, end zone work. And that was the first time I really heard the offense and the defense like jawing back and forth at one another. And it was kind of getting competitive between the guys. 
Um, so that was good to see because for the most part, they've just been focused and doing, you know, a lot of individual work. And even when they're in team, there hasn't been a whole lot of trash talk between the guys, which I'm, I was somewhat surprised about, but when they were doing that end zone work, like, uh, Terry Godwin caught a touchdown and, you know, everybody was screaming back up, Terry, back up, Terry, like the YouTube video. <laughs> Put it, put it in reverse, Terry. There you <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and Chark was going at the DBs even when he wasn't in the, in the game talking about, you know, that's three in a row for us. So it, it was good. They're getting competitive out there. and The guys are, are, are definitely getting after it and working. So, um, you know, and, and talking about the intensity and talking about how camp is kind of leading up to, you know, the next, I mean, leading up to the games I and mean, what, like, 16 days away, 17 days, something like that. Um, can you give us a player in camp that has surprised you? I mean, you you know, you are a football guy, uh, someone that's kind of, ex, ex, you know, outperformed your expectations, you know, and, and on the same line, you know, or the opposite side, someone who's kind of under underperformed or, you know, kind of disappointed, you know, the way that what you have thought from them in camp. You know, uh, I think the the definitely the jump out guys, LaVishka should know. Really? I'm tell- he's going to play a big role on this offense this year. Um, there are going to be some tough cuts at wide receiver. There are going to be some real tough cuts because Keelan Cole's been having a good camp. Um, we know Chris Conley is the veteran guy for that room. DJ Charks looked good. Colin Johnson has looked real good. So Yeah, that's the, the, the guy from Texas, right? Yeah, that's the guy from Texas, 6'6", six, six, all 6'6 six, six of him. Um, but both of those rookies look real good. I think Chenault's going to be involved early and often. And, you know, when, when he was first drafted and I just kind of looked at how big he was, I was like, he's almost as big as Fournette. I was like, that's got to be a typo. And then you see him in person. He doesn't even look like an old wide receiver. He looks like a running back, like just the way he's built. Uh, I fully believe that he, from day one, he's going to be involved in the offense. He's caught a lot of passes from Minshew during drills this year or during camp so far. And so I think they're trying to, to ramp him up to be heavily involved in the offense. Um, so he's, to some extent, surprised me. I was always kind of hopeful just because, you know, they've talked highly of him and said, you know, it was just the injury that was the reason he kind of fell to the second round. But uh, the reality of it is I think he's going to be he's going to be good from day one. I think he's going to catch a lot of passes this year. I mean, the worst part to like just to just, you know, as a Jags fan is, you know, you watch these things and you watch these videos, you watch what the media team puts out there. Uh, I mean, last year, the last couple of years has been Josh Oliver. Dude's making one-handed catches, crazy catches. And now, you know, two years now, we haven't seen hide or hair of him, you know, so that that's unfortunate. But then again, it's like you don't want to get sucked into the trap. Then you see a picture of Colin Johnson going up and making a ridiculous one-handed catch. You see um, – you see um, – Keelan Cole just, you know, coming off a slant route and, and making a great catch away from the body. You see, you know, Leonard out there doing things and even Minshew throwing it. So it's hard for the Jag fan not to get sucked into like the hype, you know, for, for, for what they're doing. But on the on the opposite side, under underperformed, kind of disappointed. Where are you at there? You know, that one's a little bit harder, but I'd say I, you know, I almost have to go with CJ Henderson. He's look he looked good early in camp moving. But, you know, he missed a couple of days for sickness. And then when he came back, you know, they had the video even circulating on Twitter. Keelan Cole beating him a couple of times and him getting frustrated there. He's been kind of slow to come on. But traditionally, cornerback's not a position that transfers from college to the NFL. It's very rare that a rookie corner can come in and is just off and running. So you kind of expect him to be slow, but you kind of hoped that – because. 
he needs to play and he right. needs to play now. So you kind of hope that he was going to be ready to go. Um, but he still has a little bit of time. Uh, Keelan's been having a pretty good camp and I figure they're probably going to play a lot of zone. So uh, the other guy, I guess it would be the other corner would be Trey Hen- or Trey Herndon. He, he kind of had a cu- rough couple of days and some one-on-ones getting beat by some guys, including a guy like Colin Johnson. Um, but you, you mentioned Josh Oliver and the coaching staff loves Josh. They, they, yeah. they absolutely love him. He's, I think he's just to some extent, he's one of those guys almost like uh, a Tyler Eifert who just got some untimely injuries in his career. That's kind of, that are kind of slowing him down at this point. Uh, Cause you know, he had that injury that kept him off out of training camp last year. And then he missed mm-hmm. time before he was finally able to get back on the field. And then this year they're talking him up and kind of excited for him. And if he would have been healthy, I honestly think he would have had a big role. The one thing that, you know, Jay Gruden has a history of is using multiple tight ends. You go right. back to Washington, you can go back to Cincinnati. He, he's always used more than one tight end. And Oliver's injury is going to open up. Prob- I, I almost think Tyler Davis's spot at this point is secured on the roster. Because right. Eifert and O'Shaughnessy have been rotating in and both been on the field a lot. One of them split out wide at wide receiver, one wide receiver, things like that. So I think we're going to see a lot of O'Shaughnessy and Eifert this year, and I think the rookie Tyler Davis, who has looked pretty good himself, has pretty much locked up a roster spot at this point. So it sucks for Josh Oliver because he would have had a chance to actually roll in and probably pull in some passes this year. You know, you you were uh, talking about the defensive secondary there for a bit. Uh, Luke Barku, uh, and I forget if I even said that correctly. Um, you know, he's one of the uh, undrafted free agent, but you know, hey, once you get once you get a chance, you, you try to take full advantage of that chance, and it seems like he is doing whatever he has to do to make that final fifty three. Um, what are you seeing from him? Uh, are you hearing anything as far as uh, just his, his abilities? And, and does he have a shot to, to not only make this team, but also get some get some meaningful playing time? It'll be tough for him to break into the lineup, but, you know, he, he led the country in interceptions last year, man. So That's crazy you said that. That's crazy you said that because, like, a couple of weeks or, like, maybe a couple of days ago, I started hearing his name, and I just did a little draft thing. He had, like, three picks in one game, and then, like, I think – there was a there was a like string where he had like six picks within like four weeks or something like that, which is ridiculous. Oh, dude can play. He's a ball hawk out there. The only thing that like I I, I could never quite figure out why he wasn't drafted because you you get a guy that's getting those kind of interceptions. It's like somebody take a flyer on him in the seventh round or something at the at the very least. He's a little. I mean, he's a light guy. He's a little skinny. I mean, he's a but he but he runs fine. And the biggest thing for him will be a, game, a day like Saturday to go out there and prove when they're going full speed, full tilt, that he's going to be able to tackle these receivers and keep up with these guys. He's impressed the coaching staff. At the very least, he is getting every opportunity to make this roster. When C.J. Henderson was out, he was running with he was running with that first group defense. He replaced Henderson in the lineup, so they're giving him a hard look. Um, he, and he's looked good. He's gotten his hands on a couple of balls. When they were first firing up, he had what would have been a pick. Uh, he's batted quite a few passes. He has looked good and competed every step of the way. There's not one time where I'd say he's looked overmatched in a matchup to me. Uh, obviously, you know, as a rookie, he's he got beat a couple times. But he's getting reps above some of the guys that were drafted at corner. You know? Wow. 
Wow. Oh, he he's already made his name, his mark as far as that, he, and making his way up the depth chart. He's get, He's been getting reps, and so the coaches are giving him a hard look, and he's going to have every chance to make this roster. I think he makes it. I think he'll be on the final 53. I don't know if he's going to be able to. It'll take an injury or two for him to probably see the field just because I think those top three are already pretty much secured, barring an injury or some or something crazy. But By top three, you mean Henderson, Herndon, and maybe DJ Hayden on the nickel? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, right now, I think Luke will be a, a backup on the, on that boundary corner spot, so he'll be backing up Herndon and, uh, and Henderson. I haven't seen – they haven't worked him a whole lot in the slot. They've worked Hayden there. They've worked Josiah Scott a lot there. They haven't worked, worked Luke a whole lot there. But I think he's going to make this roster, um, and I think he's, he's, he's got a chance to, to keep getting better, and he could be a guy who in a year or two we're talking about him as a starter and a steal. Because he, he's shown the skills as a, you know, a guy who can get his hands on the ball. He did it in college, and he's been doing it through training camp. The only thing that could, that could slow him down is if he can't stay healthy because, like I said, he's a light guy. He's not, like, the biggest corner out there. He's not just walking around jacked or anything like that. But he's tall, though, right? Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's, a little, like he's got some length. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a, lank, he's, he's a lanky guy. Yeah. He's one or 6'2 or something. Um, but So he has all the length. He has the tools to make it in the NFL. Like, plain and simple, he's never, like I said, he's never looked overmatched. Sometimes there are guys, you know, corners out there where you're like, he don't have a shot. That I've never looked at him one time and said that. Even when Colin Johnson lines up? Oh, my bad. (laughs) He he was actually the guy that was matched up against Colin on on Colin's, like, insane one-handed grab. Bro, that was so ridiculous, man. But, you know, like, he was in position, so it's like, as far as a corner goes, he basically did all he could do. I mean, you were matched up against a 6'6 guy, and he just went up and made an insane (laughs) catch. But he was in position. Colin just went up and, you know, made the better play. Only thing you could have said was maybe if he followed through with it. But if if it was full go, he probably would have been tackling him. So, So Colin probably doesn't pull that in. But you never know. But I, I, like I said, he's looked good. He's if I had to say right now, he's been the best rookie corner on the field. Consistently, he's the best rookie corner I've seen. And you know, sometimes you know we're so in Jacksonville, we're used to uh, you know good corner play. But uh, what a lot of you know people, especially fans, don't realize is some of these corners, and I'll use the the most infamous one like Jalen Ramsey or Xavier Rhodes. They're six one. They're two hundred pounds. But if you look at their arms, like how long and then how just thick they are, they're like a solid 200, 210 pounds. They can deliver that one punch as they're turning and running. And, you know, they talk about the turn, you know, how smooth are your hips when you turn as a corner when you're playing man. And that's going to be I think that's going to be the key is, you know, can he have that punch? And he's got some great practice to go up against it with, with the receivers we have. That are all six two, six six, you know, big big dudes, and then you know, Keelan Cole's proven that he can play when the con- consistent. So at least we will we'll be able to find out if they can play or not because we have good receivers. Oh yeah, they, there's some depth at that receiver spot right now. I'm telling you, like when they were doing one on ones, Trey Herndon, he did his best job to, to hit Colin Johnson in the chest and try and dram him off the line, and Johnson just threw him off. So if they're going to be jamming people at the line, man, they got some guys that they're working against. Colin Johnson's a big boy. LaVishka Chenault is built. DJ Chark ain't little. 
You know what I mean? So that if, they're, if they're trying to work on their bump and run coverage, they got some dogs that are going to make them work for it in practice. So I, I think that the, the team's biggest opportunity, you know, on the defensive side, you know, I think the defensive line does have some depth. Uh, well, excuse me, not really as depth in interior wise. We had some guys that retired, but I, I'm not really worried about the defensive line as much as I'm worried about the linebackers. So, you know, how have the linebackers been, you know, in, in camp? I mean, is Schobert really that true, uh, you know, Mike linebacker that we've been that we've been wanting and kind of two part, uh, you know, Kate LeVon, you know, how's he been in those past sets, you know, with the ones and the twos? Okay, so I'd, I'd almost say my biggest worry is the secondary. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Really? Yeah, my biggest worry is the secondary. But the linebackers, Miles Jack is perfect. Miles, he is he is perfect at weak side linebacker, bro. Uh, it, he looks like that's where he's meant to play. And realistically, even if you go back to his college footage, he should have been a weak side linebacker from day one. If it wasn't for Telvin Smith, he probably would have been. So he he's he's been making plays. I mean, there have been some struggles in one on ones. Uh, I think I had a video of Fournette beating him in some battles. But when they're in team, Miles Jack looks great. Schobert he he does some good things, and we've seen some a couple of eh, kind of deals for him. Um, but the 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 good has far outweighed the bad. And the one tough thing, even for me, and I, I always ask the coaches about this, is like when you're in training camp like this and you don't have preseason games, how hard is it to evaluate your guys? And, you know, coaches probably have a better eye for it. But I'm like, okay, Schobert's been beat by Fournette in, in pass coverage like three times. And I'm like, I know Leonard Fournette has wheels, but we don't, you don't want to keep seeing Schobert getting beat by a running back down the sideline. So right. I think it, to some extent it's going to be a thing of, they're not going to try and match him up man to man with a running back too often. I mean, especially in this this day and age, is running back. I mean, you got your Tariq Hills out there. You've got you know people out there that can that can move. Yeah. I mean, your uh, your your James Conner can move. Um, who else? Um, I'm trying to think of the guy from uh, Derek. Help me out to do out in um, Carolina. The Chargers. Jeffrey. Chargers. Cam Akers. Oh, El- Cam Akers. Eckler. Yeah, yeah Cam Akers and, and Eckler. Yeah, Eckler. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Yeah, they, they got guys with wheels. And I, I think that'll more be Miles Jack's responsibility because he's a guy who has the wheels to be able to keep up with those guys a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But Schobert's been great in run fits. Um, all the guys have raised about how intelligent he is and, and being able to have that kind of real mic that's a leader and making sure everyone's in position, which, you know, good defenses always have that. I think Schobert and, and Jack, obviously those are going to be the two linebackers that play the most. Because, uh, you know, we're going to spend the majority of the time in nickel sets. So those are going to be the two linebackers that play the most. They're fine. Schobert will be fine and Miles Jack will be fine. I think the linebackers are going to be almost one of the strengths of this defense. If it wasn't for, for the hopes I have for the defensive line, I'd say linebacker would be the strength. But it's not by, – by no means do I think linebacker is going to be a weakness. I think Schobert's going to be worth every penny just from the stability that he brings. And if you think about the picks that he got in Cleveland last year, like he's good in zone. He's gotten a couple of picks off some of the backup quarterbacks in camp. I think he'll make some plays. I think Miles Jack looks much improved playing weak side, just and it fits his play style. He's able to fly around and use his speed and athleticism to his advantage. And he doesn't have to, you know, worry about where other guys are lined up because Schobert's making sure everybody's in the right spot. Uh, so how, how are they using Kayla Vaughn? So Kalevon, so Kalevon's been with the defensive line. Oh, really? Yeah. So that that strong side backer spot is going to be between Marsh 
and uh, Leon Jacobs. Mm. So those two guys are battling for, for reps there. And for the most part, they've spent a lot of time during camp off to the side, kind of working on their own. Just, right. um, I mean, with, with a coach, but they've spent a lot of time working on pass rush moves and, and just block shedding because that's essentially what that strong side backer is going to be on the field for. If they're in four three. They're thinking it's a run situation. Right. They're going to use them a lot for just stopping the run, which Marsh has played, you know, three, four end and defensive end in his career. And Jacobs is a, a big guy that can come in and help with that run defense. So that's what both of them have been doing for the most of camp. Like the, the inside linebackers and other outside backers will be off work and coverage drills. Those two will be on the block and sled, just shedding blocks, just doing shedding drills, hand drills. So I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if it was either one of them when it comes day one to start. I think Leon Jacobs probably has the leg up to be that third linebacker. Uh, Caleb Vaughn, since he's gotten on the field, is just he's been with the defensive ends. And with, with us not knowing what's going on with Jan at this point, right. that's where he needs to be because he's going to be able to come, come off that other end. You know, Josh Allen on one side, he's, he's your bookend, and you hope Caleb Vaughn can, can get some block shit and then uh, kind of go around the corner on that other end. You've got two good speed ends, and hopefully Taven and Timmy can uh, push the pocket a little bit, and you can have a, a pretty good defensive line there. I do have high hope because Josh Allen, I mean, we saw what he did as a rookie. Absolutely. There's no question about him. Yeah, yeah. there's no – he at this point, the expectation for him is, you know – he could be the defensive player of the year, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't blink an eye if you told me that. You know what I mean? Or uh, lead the league in sacks. I, w- I would be like, he could do it. Kalevon uh, has – he's looked good in camp so far working with the defensive guys. Obviously, he's got a long way to go, but he has that same thing going for him that Josh Allen did. He's just like straight up built. I mean, he's all muscle and speed. So if he can get you know some of those just ath- athlete sacks like Josh Allen got last year – They'll be good to go. Good, good. Um, and you mentioned something, too, about Sherbert getting some picks on the, the second and third string team. Uh, so that means that Minshew is out there slinging it like we, we think, right? Yeah, he's looked good. He's looked real good. I think he's thrown two picks through camp so far. What? Only two? Uh, he, he might have three. I know Bro. Winger, got, Winger got two and Josiah Scott got one, but really the Josiah Scott pit wasn't his fault. Keep- we're, we're, we're coming from, and the reason why I'm just saying only two or three is because of oh, the mean, Blake Broidel stuff. I, I love, I love, <laughs> I, I love Blake Death. But bro, we're coming from five pick practices no. to, 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 to three in the entire time. Man, so I, I, I think I mean, Minshew would have a meltdown on the field if he had a five pick practice. I'm going to tell you that right now. Uh, <laughs> like, all, he's been taking more chances, and all the receivers are like, he's throwing the ball up and letting us go make a play more. But He's not – he hasn't thrown a lot of picks. He's very careful with it. He's an accurate quarterback. The one thing that I – man, he throws a back shoulder ball that gets you nervous. That is the one thing that I'll say. And But it's not – they're not coming up as picks. He just throws it, and I'm like, oh. He, <laughs> you know, you kind of flinch for a second. You're like, why are you throwing it there? And then the receiver kind of <laughs> turns around and it's perfect. <laughs> So, but, but I like the way you said that because he's throwing it in a spot. Mm-hmm. He's throwing somebody open as yes. opposed to, you know, throwing it where you, where you should be. He's throwing it where you're going to be. Yeah. He's throwing it in that spot. I'll oh, yeah. He, he's on the same page with those guys because, I mean, and, you know, we kind of talked about it before. They, he has some big receivers to work with now. Like, Chenault's, what, 6'1", 6'2", 225. I mean, he's a he's a wide guy. And DJ Chark, 6'4", he's another big guy. Conley's, what, 6'2", 6'3". 
Johnson, six six, Tyler Eifert. I mean, he's got he's got some guys who you know those back shoulder balls that he likes to throw that can box out the DB and just make those catches. And he's been doing it all camp. I mean, legitimately, I, there were a few where I was like, "What is he doing?" And the guy just turns around and gets it. So he's been putting stuff in a spot. He looks like he's picked up because, like him and O'Shaughnessy were were doing some good work on the field before James got hurt last year. So they've kind of been on the same page through camp, looked like picked up where they left off. Right. Um, Eifert kind of has surprised me a little bit. I wasn't real high on that sign. And I was like, guy with that much injury history, I wasn't, I didn't have high expectations. Sure. He's, he's, he's looked so good so far. And I'm still kind of skeptical on whether or not once they really start hitting, if he'll be healthy, but I mean, we just got to wait and see. One thing that I always hear, and and and, and you know, I'm I'm done after this. One thing I always hear, man, is that you know Minshew is not as tall. He's not the tallest guy. He doesn't have the biggest arm strength. But I mean, what you're saying, I mean, he's only thrown you know three picks at the most in an NFL training camp. That's that's big. I mean, you know, he's not the tallest guy, but there's not balls getting batted at the line. Like, what do you attribute that at for all this stuff that people are saying? that he's not, but he's actually proving that he can, that he's a gamer and just not, you know, a one hit wonder. I mean, he's one of those guys, like, it's almost like he's one of those guys that you can't help but root for. He's not the biggest guy. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the strongest guy. I mean, this time last year when they played the Ravens, if I told you he was the Jaguar starting quarterback next year, you probably would have thought I was crazy. You know, I mean, because we all after that Ravens game, we were all like, this guy's not even going to make the roster. They need to be looking for backup quarterback. <laughs> but, right. Know, was that the game where he got like nailed and his helmet? Yeah, the he one got his helmet knocked. Yeah, he got walked, man. <laughs> they, they got that picture of him looking like the Undertaker with his eyes rolled back in his head. <laughs> yeah. Derek, 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 he, Derek, you got to be careful when you say walk. That's got a different. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> It's like I, 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 I had a coach years ago. He used to say that we'd look at him kind of funny. He say whooped and popped. So I'd yeah. be like, okay, yeah, I, I get it. You know, so um, that, 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 yeah, that's ridiculous. You, you're so silly, you're crazy behind. <laughs> of course, I wouldn't be. We you say that you know mean like that. Um, but but no, freaking freaking um, Minshew man. I think it's just he's an it factor. He's got it. He doesn't care. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. He, he just doesn't care. He doesn't have a care in the world. And we haven't had that at all. I mean, Bortles cared about everything. Um, and, and you can see it. You can see it in his eyes. He just didn't want it. Like, he, he, he didn't want it, like, at all. So, I mean, Minshew's a guy I, who's like, you know, he, he almost wasn't here. Like, if he had a COVID season like some of the college football guys are dealing with right now before his senior year, he wouldn't be in the NFL. He, and he's even said that. You know, he'd have been looking for another job because he got picked based on what he did his senior year. He, and he almost didn't even do that. He was trying to get the, the 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 GA job over in Alabama, you know, go be a backup there and then start coaching. So he's a guy who, at, you know, really had nothing to lose. And now he's got a chance. This is his first time coming into a starting position since high school. You know, it, that, it's crazy to say stuff like that at the NFL level. He just has that it. The guys like him. And from day one, the guys have liked him. He's his own person. I mean, he doesn't, like you said, he doesn't have a whole lot of balls batted at the line, but we don't we want to knock on wood and don't get that jinx. But 
Yeah. <laughs> but the, the way you describe him, it really does sound like that Karate Kid song that he uses in his Bud Light thing. You know, you're the best around. <laughs> like, it, it, like, it describes him perfectly. I mean, you know, he's not the biggest, he's not the strongest, but you just, like, man, okay, like, he can do it. He didn't even, he could, he could run in the NFL. You know, he, he wasn't a running quarterback in college, and then here he is running around, get, picking up yards with his legs in the NFL. He even said it. I didn't know I could do that. Like, that's, that's crazy that you got a guy who, who wasn't a running quarterback in high school, and he's out here running around in the NFL making plays to where he's like, I'm going to work on my speed this offseason. And then you got it, but he, and he's undervalued by everybody. Cause I, I was listening to sports talk radio the other day. And one of the beat writers in Arizona is like, Kyler Murray is going to be in the MVP conversation at the end of the year. I'm like, no way. Then you had a better season than Murray last year. And we're questioning if we're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, if they lose this year. And then you're <laughs> talking about him as an MVP. Like, come on now. <laughs> That's yeah. It, it, it's it's crazy because you know rookies they you know they they have their years and they and they do well or they don't do well, but I'm always like, well, once that once coaches get a year of tape on them, you know at least ten solid games of tape on them to sit at home and really break it down, what are they going to do? I don't have that feeling at all with Minshew, like at all, like yeah, second year jinx as they call it. I think he's just going to move right along. Yeah, he's going to have some games where he's up and down, and he's going to start out slow. But, hey, you know, it's not like we're knocking on the door to the Super Bowl here. We're a rebuilding franchise that hopefully can turn some heads during the season. You know, you know I, I think this year's Jaguars, they probably won't make the playoffs. But I, I think they'll win six or seven games. I think they've got an easy schedule to start, and this is such a young team. If they can get some wins early, that confidence starts rolling. All of a sudden, in the in the games they lose, it's not going to be like those other those old games where it's like six points and they it's six to thirty. It'll they'll lose shootouts because I think the offense has a lot of talent, and I think Minshew and those guys are going to be able to put up some points. The defense, I'm worried about how many points they're going to be able to keep off the board, you know. But if they can, if they can get it to a game where they can get the guys to pass, the, the defense has the pass rushers that they'll be able to make it tough on some teams. I, this is a rebuilding year, and they got a lot of young guys, but it's not like some of those teams where you're like, this guy doesn't belong in the NFL. They got a lot of young, talented guys where if guys can start hitting their stride, they'll be all right, you know? And I think this year, last year, that offense was just, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. That's why you move on from your offensive coordinator after one year. It just, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense for Nick Foles. It didn't make sense for Minshew. It just did, you know. Your offensive coordinator was a nice guy, but he wasn't a great offensive coordinator. Well, I mean, you say that that it didn't make sense, and you know, this guy comes out off the bench when Nick Foles gets hurt, and you know, completes like however many passes in a row. Granted, you know, they had no chance against Kansas City, who were going to be Super Bowl champions, but still, those passes in a row. And then also coming from a guy who was, you know, everyone is doubting this year, but. When Nick Foles gets benched at halftime and, and now entering the game, Gardner Minshew, people are like, wait, no, he's in the game now? All right, I'm not going – I'm not leaving. I'm going back into the stands. I'm going back home or back into my seat. And then still almost have a shot. So you don't you don't feel like you're out of the game with him. You know, I think that's why – you know, I, I'm, on, I'm on board with him. I think that that's why I think a lot of people really need to start, like, kind of just really paying attention. And this whole Trevor Lawrence thing, like you said, man, they're not – they're, they're going to win – 
six or seven games. I mean, I've got a bet with a, a couple of close friends, and the number that we have is five and a half. I think the Jags are going to win more than six games. Yep. And five, I mean, well, not more, six games will, uh, was what I said. But six games gets you out of the Trevor Lawrence conversation. Yep. You're, you're not in that conversation at all at, at winning six games. No, and I, and I don't think they will be. I think, like I said, I'm, I'm thinking six or seven games. I know a lot of people don't have high hopes, but I'm like, they got a lot of young, talented guys that are going to be able to make some plays for this team. I think Minshew's going to be good. I think the one thing that you can say that they've done is that maybe they didn't upgrade the offensive line like a lot of people wanted them to. But they've added a lot of playmakers, guys that Minshew can throw to, a LaVisca Chenault, a Tyler Eifert. So he's got more weapons that he can work with, even adding Chris Thompson as the third down running back. Fournette's not a bad pass catcher, but Chris Thompson's definitely a better pass catching back than Fournette is. That's why he's in the NFL. And then even that, adding Ben McAdoo as your quarterback coach. This is a guy that was a head coach. Bad head coach, but he clearly (laughs) get the job there. He's done some things with quarterbacks over the years. So, you know, and then you add a Jay Gruden who has a history of having good offenses. So you just putting those kind of guys around Minshew, just coaching wise is helpful. And then they've even said, you know, they didn't get necessarily the hands-on work with a lot of guys this off season, but once they were able to really talk with guys, they were, they were able to just get on zoom and just go through the playbook. So when the guys hit the field, they had a whole lot more of that classroom work done than they typically did. So they've had time to kind of work with Gardner on little things like the playbook and some of those reads. And now it's just a matter of putting it into play out on the football field. And he's looked good. Like I said, I, I have no doubt that he'll be a good quarterback, whether or not he's going to prove to everybody that he's the future of the franchise. We'll have to wait and see. I think he's got the charisma and personality part of it down. You know, if he, if he can make the on-field play match that, I mean, you got a guy that, that's your face of your franchise and he's perfect. That's the reason why all these, you know, Bud Light and all that's doing stuff with him. If he was just a boring dude, nobody would be, nobody would care, you know? So, he just like, I think you said you said he had that it factor. He does. He has that it factor. The guys around him want to see him do well. Fans want to see what he can do. He, he's just a guy, you know? <laughs> All right, Jamal. So to wrap this up, let's get the dirt now. I want the the real dirt. So media guys on the field, who are the guys when you walk down there for practice that you hang with and who are the media guys that you're trying to avoid? <laughs> uh, I don't typically avoid anybody. Um, I, you hesitated. No, no I, I don't typically avoid anybody. Uh, <laughs> but John Shipley is a great guy. I, I, the work he's doing over for uh, Jaguars Report, Golden stuff, absolute gold. Uh, Demetrius Harvey does great work over there for Big Cat Country. Uh, those those are two of my guys for sure. Uh, love Duraco. He's he's kind of the the OG of the group, so he, he he's, <laughs> he's always helpful and knows what's going on. <laughs> has Has Vito been out there? Uh, I don't think I've seen him. I don't think I've seen him. At least right. come over to the bleachers where I typically have been hanging out. Yeah, he he tears up Twitter now though. I don't know. If oh yeah, that's why I'm like, I'm like, how the hell is Vito tweeting this stuff? Like, is he out there? <laughs> um, all right. Well, we we appreciate it, Jamal. It's a lot of fun, and I I know you're busy, so we you know we're really grateful you take the time to kind of jump on here with us and give us the insight from the field. 
uh, especially since we can't be out there anymore, which is a major, major bummer. But um, again, uh, Jamal is on WJXT4. Uh, he's one of the sports anchors. He's a great follow on Twitter. We'll throw uh, a link to uh, some of his work at WJXT uh, on their website and also his Twitter handle. So you guys yeah, can follow him if you don't already. I'm sure you do. Um, but Jamal, again, thank you so much for taking the time and joining the podcast. Hey, appreciate you guys. I appreciate y'all having me on anytime. Thank you. Let me know. All right. Thank you so much.